welcome to the North Witch Podcast with your hosts, Azario Flame and Sandra Von Holland. In this podcast, we explore all the things that can help us to be better and improve our lives in body, mind, and spirit. Looking at everything from witchcraft, sorcery, woo-woo, spirituality, biohacking, the mundane, and everything in between. We occasionally have on guests from various backgrounds, practices, and philosophies. We welcome everyone from all walks of life, from the left-hand path to the right-hand path, from the medical to the holistic, from the woo-woo to the scientific and everything in between. We have conversations and discussions about our experiences over the years, what works for us, what hasn't worked, and explore new theories and science, trying them out, seeing what works, and debunking what doesn't. Thank you for joining us on this wicked adventure along the crooked path as we adventure into the mysterious and wonderful world and welcome what truly works for us to become better witches, sorcerers, magicians, and our best selves so that we can live our best lives. May these conversations help you to ignite the light within. The views expressed by our guests on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of us here at Northwich Magic Co. All of the information shared on this podcast is anecdotal and shared for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or financial advice. Always consult a doctor, physician, or professional in their field before trying any of the things that may be discussed on this channel. Magic and holistic healing should work alongside allopathic care when necessary. Welcome back to another episode of the Northwich Podcast. And today on the podcast, we have Solomon A.D. How's it going today, Solomon? Life is peachy, Azaria. Life is peachy. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> it's been a couple years since we've really been in touch. So I'm sure there's been a lot going on in your life. What's uh, new and groovy and happening in your magical world right now? Uh, I live a pretty Martian lifestyle today. I just kind of, uh, uh, I like weigh in once a week. I'm trying to drop, um, weights to fight at a new, uh, weight class. So I'm on a strict diet, lots of exercise and, uh, fine tuning my MMA craft. And I, I blend that very much into my occult path. Um, very close with like dark angel of Mars. So, uh, and various war gods. So Mars is a part of my daily grind as well as my other more professional line of work. So uh, every day is hard work, lots of sweat and uh, lots of calories burned and hopefully not a lot of calories eaten, but you know, <laughs> not always going according to plan. <laughs> Sometimes easier said than done, of course. Yeah. So what, uh, kinds of things are you using for Martian magic to kind of push your fitness and stuff right now? Um, are you using like, so I know that uh, Elizabeth does a lot with the Solomonic pentacles. Are you employing some of them or are you um, like, what, what do you got on the go right now to kind of amp it up? Um, so right now I would say ritualistically, I stick with uh, very basic and then I can adjust from there. So I have my, my altar set up and I just do a general invocation, evocation slash summoning of Samael or uh, Baluk Chaptan, who is the Mayan god equivalent. He, he's the primary god of war. And, you know, you can relate him to Samael, you can relate him to Ares and et cetera. I start with that as my ritualistic practice and I go from there. Um, I've been on like this last training cycle began at the beginning of March. So 
I've not done anything else ritualistically, but a general summoning of Samael. Now to go from there though, um, there's various tools that um, may seem mundane, but in the hands of an occultist, you will see that the results can be pretty, um, not just physically spectacular, but like um, gnostically spectacular. And I would say, um, you know, you have your diet set in order. It's like uh, the basics are there. Whether you want to use tools like intermittent fasting or uh, something like keto, I don't pay attention to those types of um, diets anymore, just based upon my research. And I think the research results come from probably the evocation and summonings to finding the right information for me. I'm not like saying anybody shouldn't do those approaches. Like today I am mixing in intermittent fasting, but it's really just for, I had a big cheat meal. So it's like, do I need to eat the rest of the day? No, I don't. <laughs> um, but I do, uh, I count my calories. Essentially I'm working with, uh, I do have a friend, uh, who is a nutritionist. So, um, but it's not like any super deep dives. I have a basic calorie count. I have a protein intake count and I go from there. Um, and I choose the right foods that, that fit into that where I'll say it starts to get a little Gnostic is, um, uh, is supplements. And what I mean by that is, uh, mind altering drugs. So what kind of mind altering drug would I be taking? in a uh, Martian way. It's a very, it's a very legal mind-altering drug. And that mind-altering drug is caffeine. So um, there are various like forms of caffeine. You could do black coffee. Um, you could do various types of pre-workouts. Not all pre-workouts are created equal. Um, but so I use like pre-workouts typically. I'll use some energy drinks. I, I, they're not created equal either. I think some are definitely healthier than others. Um, at the end of the day, it's still caffeine though. So there is like, I try to keep my caffeine intake like less than 500 milligrams per day. And that's still with a massive, I have a lot of activity. I do a lot of activity. I would say about three to four hours of intense working out, you know, the weight training plus the MMA, and then probably uh, um, light cardio mixed in with some intense cardio. Um, the thing is, is that when you do ritual and have a close relationship with a, a Martian spirit, and you basically make them the patron of like the activity that you're doing, which in this case would be fighting and physical training, you're going to see that you may open up a lot of Gnostic channels while under the influence of caffeine. I would, um, just like how herbs have correspondences to planets, I believe certain um, other substances have correspondences to planets. I would definitely attribute caffeine to Mars. Um, and while taking caffeine, I am predisposed predisposed to lots of various types of gnosis. Now you add in the actual physical activity of exercise, you have another um, substance that comes into play and that would be endorphins, 
when you get endorphins and caffeine mixing together within this spontaneous, essentially like dance of activity, kind of like shamanic rain dances or uh, various types of uh, dynamic forms of mysticism, Sufi dancing, uh, circular dancing for another example, you will find that you are starting to tap into other things. You may see images in uh, the third eye, you may hear sounds, you may hear messages and whatnot, you may hear entire storylines. Now this is not for, I wouldn't say this is for the beginner occultist either. I would say, I, you know, I'm pretty advanced. I think most advanced occultists and it takes a, it takes a balance of being advanced as an occultist as well as having maybe not an advanced level of athleticism, but enough of a level of athleticism where you're not completely dying from every exercise. For sure. <laughs> so that there's a little bit of the buffer between like the intense um, endorphin rush and then your rest time. And, um, and usually in those gaps, you will find Gnosis. And in fact, I would say because I train every day, the massive bulk of my gnosis for the past, especially for the past two, three years, has been primarily through physical activity. Um, there's another occultist out there, uh, Lord Josh Allen. Uh, he's he's a he's a definitely he's a proponent of like actually getting physically into your ritual. He, he's one that doesn't really like soft and meditative rituals either. I, I'm not saying I don't like them, but um, I definitely find that the, the dynamism of something like working out lends itself to a much more dynamic gnosis um, for me. So I'm not the only one out there. And um, I also do a lot of hot yoga too. And uh, I will find myself having gnosis in those um, positions as well and during those activities. And that's really, shouldn't be much of a surprise. I know Crowley was like a big proponent of like how yoga, I think he even called yoga like the ultimate spiritual practice at some point. Um, and there's various reasons why. Um, uh, if I may like go further and deeper into to why I believe that things like exercise, things like yoga, um, and even things like physical combat essentially uh, kind of, uh, how do you say, massage gnosis out of energy nodes or whatever, uh, is because you're moving your posture like your own vertical axis, right? Your own Kabbalistic tree of life, your own like row of chakras, you're moving it through physical space and you're moving these energy centers through stress and out of stress and various postures literally have various expressions. In yoga, there's various poses that are named and why are they named? Because they actually, um, like they display a certain demeanor. So like eagle pose, has a very, uh, it's, it's a balanced pose, but it's a balanced pose with crossed legs, um, suggesting a specific type of balance. Whereas like half moon pose is a much more like, like off stable kind of balance. Um, and it's on, on, on like a sideways position. My 
an in-depth Martian Gnosis nugget I've been given by specific Mayan God is that you can even uh, relate, you relate certain exercises basically to certain chakras or certain sephiras. And you can basically expose yourself to those energies by doing those specific exercises. You can even do that in ranges of physical combat with another individual. super fascinating so have, have you found that there are specific exercises that help you to kind of activate that gabura sephirot to kind of bring out that martian energy in you for perhaps if somebody wanted to maybe do some more balancing there you know if they needed to gain some discipline some strength whatever is have you noticed any of that within doing this practice yeah i mean you could basically attribute gabura to every single one of them in a way but um I wouldn't say that I have like made charts of like this exercise attributes it itself to Hesed or like uh, split squat lunges are equated to Malkuth or something like that. Um, well, I, I definitely feel that uh, probably will lean that way and actually do that uh, at some point. I have found that there are certain exercises that essentially promote an outpouring of uh, metaphysical energy more so than others. And um, I also like, I'll, I'll give you this much. I think the clean and press is probably the ultimate expression of physical exercise plus gnosis in a physical act of like weight training, particularly the double kettlebell clean and press, because what you are doing is you are starting from a hinged position, reaching down into almost kind of like an underworld um, allegory, uh, hinging slash squatting down from the bottom up, from Malkuth, jerking up, the weights to a racked position in the middle at the heart, more, more akin to Tifereth or the sun. And then you are pressing it up, completely straightening your body from that was originally hinged and squatted to curled and racked to completely vertical, uh, to, symbol, like, to possibly symbolizing um, Keter. So you're literally starting from Malkuth, you're basically doing like a middle pillar kind of thing. And I don't find that any other exercise expresses that better. Um, there are some that I think uh, kind of come close, probably like uh, something like a trap bar deadlift or like uh, even a burpee. But I don't think anything uh, symbolically or through practice, I don't feel like anything else has had um, a tremendous like outpouring of like um, kind of like bringing everything full circle gnostically as far as uh, exercise goes. That, that's actually really interesting because one of my practices that I do when I'm doing my daily energy work is I bend down, touch the ground, 
reach into the underworld, pull everything up through me, through my middle pillar. So for those of you who are listening that don't know, the middle pillar is on the tree of life, the Kabbalistic tree of life, and it's everything in the center of your body going up. So you could equate this to your chakras if you wanted or whatever. But what I do is I reach down, touch the ground, reaching into the underworld, pull up the energy, send it up through my middle pillar, out my crown, up into the heavens. So the heavens, top of the crown, Keter, and then let that energy build up in there and build this big ball of brilliant light. And then I pull that down through my body again and allow that to pass back down through that middle pillar and into the earth. So that, that's interesting that you mentioned that because that's like been a daily practice of mine for quite a while. So interesting cross gnosis there. <laughs> now you just have yeah. to add weights to it. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with that being said, like from what you said, I, if I was another individual going to try something like this, just fair warning, like, because of like, you know, you're adding weights into it and stuff like that, you're probably not going to get a very good visualization. Like, you're, well, I, I wouldn't say that. You wouldn't get a very fleshed out visualization. I definitely get visualizations even when under the stress of like the weights and stuff, but it's more like a rush. Like it's, it's very like ambiguous and it's more like, um, kind of like the vision, like where I would imagine if you were going to do like any kind of energy work, if you're used to seeing like stable, su subtle colors, start doing this and see what it does to your vision. It's like colors, but moving at that kind of speed and, and jerkiness. So um, it, it's much more, it, yeah, it's definitely much more intense. It like when you apply it to that, and that's why I think a lot of people don't, I think even like, um, probably ancient practices haven't had a good like a flesh out description of like what it could be even though we do know that like in ancient india and in modern modern day india uh the pelwani wrestlers uh would swing like clubs and uh maces and they would um incorporate a lot of hatha yoga into their wrestling uh regimen and they had beliefs that it corresponded to various spiritual aspects that could be found in the Vedas. Yeah, for sure. And we definitely see a correlation like that in a lot of the cultures around the world. I mean, the Spartans absolutely believed in that Martian aspect under Aries. Um, we see it, you know, in Australia, lots of practices there for bringing up that energy with the war gods and stuff. So it's, it's definitely something that seems to pervade most cultures. So it's really, really cool that you're, getting so much out of that and able to push that. Um, have you been noticing that there's any difference in perhaps post-workout gnosis if you've been doing, say, a workout in the gym or in your MMA ring versus, say, doing your exercises outside? Or like, have, have you found a difference in locale for the gnosis that you're able to get from the Martian sphere? Locale slash activity. Um... So I typically work out in the gym and the reason is because the gym provides it's kind of like an altar. I think it provides the same, the similar uh, effects to me that an altar would, as opposed to if I was doing it outside, um, things are not as um, intensely I don't want to say that, but like, well, yeah, like they're just not as intently structured. 
Whereas they can be, because you'll find a lot of natural features that be like, oh, this is such a nice place to do a ritual. Uh, and then you'll find some natural places that are just so wide open. You're just, the people are like, I'll do a ritual here. It's nice and wide open, but it doesn't provide enough like confines. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's a purpose to Yakin and Boaz, if you will. Um, so like, I do have a preferred gym that I go to and it provides that kind of structured and um, altar place uh, for me. And, you know, certain gyms have just different energy. And it just, it's true. Like I, I go to like tomorrow that my favorite gym's not open. So I will go to another place, but I'm preparing myself. It's not like, I'm not going to feel as fired up. Uh, <laughs> if I got to get it in on a Sunday. So um, there's that, but also with yoga studio. So like I, I go to an actual yoga studio to do yoga. And, um, part of that is the reason, part of that is the motivation reason is because I've tried doing it on my own and I'm not as motivated typically, but I do like the, the, um, like hot yoga. And I do like the sensation of like, like, like the purifying aspect of sweating a lot. And I sweat a lot. So, um, it's a lot of purification, but also, um, being under the guidance of like someone else when I am under a physical stress is kind of needed. And it allows me to just like go all out within the postures. So it allows me to not physically hold back. Yeah, totally makes sense. So um, now for our listeners who aren't really seasoned occultists, um, Alistair Crowley decided to start categorizing drugs and other things on the Kabbalistic tree of life in Lieber 777. Um, so what made you come up with that caffeine belongs to Gabura and the realm of Mars? Is it mo mostly because of its motivating and stimulating effect? Or are you finding that it's giving other qualities to things for you? Uh, well, part of that is because of its effect, but also... Um... Uh, gnosis from Samael that it is. Um, I've had gnosis from Samael about like even other narcotics having um, uh, not just Martian correspondence, but anything. So like uh, certain entities will correspond to certain um, narcotics or, or other kind of things. It's, it's like, if you think about it, like there's no way that anabolic steroids are not associated with Mars, but it's like, like if I was to look at something and like somebody asked me what planet is associated with it, like my gnosis, like my Gnostic sense is telling me that is Mars. Like for instance, I would probably, I would probably equate like um, marijuana to like, well, I mean, I guess you could do a Sephiroth, but like, I, I've been told by Samuel that um, marijuana corresponds to like Lucifer. And if you look at most people who are like deep devotees of Lucifer and like, um, well, yeah, if you look at any of them, right? Like they do have that kind of like, like marijuana is typically that first drug of rebellion. You know what I'm saying? It's like that first hipster thing. It's the, it's the gateway drug, you know? And then if you look at its effects on um, the people that follow Lucifer, you will well, either have like the people who 
do it recreationally or maybe like they're into uh, the more esoteric, like the, the esoteric health benefits of it. And they don't like, but they don't like base a personality off of it. But those are probably the guys who are reading books from like Scarlet Infant and stuff. And that's where they get their Lucifer. But if you look at the people who like just get trendy about Lucifer and like all of their gnosis comes from some videos on YouTube and maybe some Google searches, they're typically the kinds of uh, like marijuana users that are, are lethargic and they're like, oh yeah, I'm rebelling, man. And then it's like them just like sitting on the couch. And so it's like, it, it becomes this rebellion that doesn't go anywhere. It, like it could be either or, just like steroid users, right? You, you'll find steroid users that are completely ripped. And then you'll find some that are completely like fat. It's depending upon like, what side of the spectrum are they falling under? Cause there's plenty of gym rats that don't have any discipline that takes steroids because whether they want a shortcut or they, they want some kind of an edge, but they don't have the discipline, then they come out looking like that. Whereas you have like people who are serious competitors for like bodybuilding or whatever, and that's what they're doing. And they look like they have the discipline. To do it. So, um, yeah, I would say like, that's just another example I mean, cause I don't do, I like, I don't do drugs. <laughs> so uh, I don't, I don't know all the correspondences for all of these things, but it's like based upon my gnosis from what Samuel's told me, it's like, that's as much as I know, as far as like drugs and their planetary correspondences. But caffeine is like, caffeine is my favorite drug, <laughs> I guess because it's very Martian. But if you look at um, like, uh, coffee is very like even sacred to like my like my heritage like where it comes from uh, in Wa guatemala guatemalan coffee is very sacred it's like what got native peoples to get up and go like there was a god of coffee there was a god of cacao too so um uh it's very ingrained but um oh what was i going to say oh i did want to speak about this about caffeine and why like people maybe watch um be like oh solomon ad is taking caffeine and like gnosis and whatnot and it's like i'd rather do like shrooms or something and it's like well let me say this i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that either but here's the thing we have actual historical evidence that caffeine is a mind-altering drug and that comes from uh not just Renaissance era art, but um, prior to the Renaissance, the I think uh, what people refer to as the uh, the Muslim Renaissance during uh, during the days of the Middle East of the more prosperous nations prior to um, prior to Renaissance Europe, you can see a drastic expansion in the art uh, of Islamic artwork from things that were a bit more tame to much more fantastical. What happened during that time was the discovery of, uh, not just the discovery, discovery and importation of Ethiopian coffee. It clearly had an influence on artwork throughout the region to a point where what you were looking at instead of like actual like uh, cartoonish depictions of characters, you started having fantastical like abstractions 
that were that had commentaries on um, their, the commentaries on these pieces were of conceptual um, conceptual spiritual notions. So it's like really far out stuff. It went from like drawings to like Andy Warhol. No, not Andy Warhol, but like uh, much more abstract things that have messages beneath the surface. For sure, that totally makes sense. And then for other people too, I mean, cacao itself is a well-known mind-altering drug. It's used in shamanic ceremonies all throughout South America. So, I mean, any of these things that we here in North America just see as, you know, part of everyday life type thing, you know, you're drinking a cup of cocoa or a cup of coffee, you know, these had very significant ceremonial significance in ancient times. So I, I can definitely see absolutely that you can get some good gnosis out of either of those for sure yeah i mean really if you look at like the whole point of like a dream uh, dream style gnosis is because of uh your natural deposits of dmt when you go to sleep and it's like um here's a tip because i i get plenty of dr dream gnosis why well this has to do with my martian regimen but I, I take a sleep supplement it's like um and not all sleep supplements are created equal. So like if I, I'm recommending melatonin, but don't just like, go be like, oh, you know, it's like melatonin, I've tried that. And it's like, it doesn't work. There's various types of sleep supplements. They're not all created equal. Um, and I'm not saying like any kind of prescription thing either. I'm talking about uh, more like, like fitness-based sleep supplements. Um, uh, there's various kinds. It's like, I don't want to plug anything. Uh, well, like with Without saying any brands or anything, I, I use melatonin and uh, ZMA supplement for when I want to get good dream gnosis. It helps me hit that REM cycle a little bit harder. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you get a little bit more GH release, which helps with that DMT release. Uh, I, I find that, you know, and for those listening that don't know, it's just zinc, magnesium, and vitamin B6 with a little bit of black pepper extract. So that's, a, that's one that I like for, you know, extra sleep gnosis. Yeah, and that blend you just mentioned is around, it's like within the same realm as like some of the stuff that I take. And uh, like I have three uh, types of sleep supplements. I have some that are more preferred than others, but also depends on my goal. Some have more of a fat burning effect. So, um, uh, but yeah, like that's an additional way to get like lunar style gnosis is to just take a sleep supplement. You don't need to be like, uh, puking your brains out from ayahuasca or anything for, for just a little bit of extra gnosis. Like there, there's, there's things around that you can use. And uh, like that one, I would say is very underrated, uh, just like caffeine. Yeah, so. Absolutely. That, that's one thing you and I have kind of always agreed on that, you know, through diet, fitness and supplementation, you can explore a lot of really cool gnosis and, a lot, and you know, hit, areas that you wouldn't be able to without a healthy body in mind, which is, you know, that's, that's something that I've always loved about your practice. <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate it. But if, yeah, if you just look at it, like any kind of regular, like um, you can find this anywhere online, but it's like common doctor knowledge. Like if you're within a, a certain body fat percentage, there's basically your body, like the higher body fat percentage is, the more slowly and less efficient your body's systems operate. So if you can get to an optimal body fat percentage for you, you're basically, you're, you're running on all cylinders. 
And so that means like things like sleep and like energy production become better. So that means you can extract gnosis from those energy systems by participating in activities that use those energy systems better if you are in better shape. And then there's just like the whole, um, like how much inner metaphysical energy can your body like keep? And, you know, to say that doesn't have anything to do with fitness, that's ridiculous because if you look at like a bag of chips, you'll see the word calories, right? But you take that bag of chips, you buy it anywhere else in the world, it's going to say energy on it instead of calories. So it's like, you're literally, your fitness and your diets, it's all about energy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, one cool thing that I noticed because uh, I've been doing some traveling over the last few years is when we were in Peru, um, it's the first time I've ever seen it. But anytime you bought a soft drink or a pop or anything like that, there was a big warning label on it that said, warning, this is unhealthy energy. This will make you feel like crap for the rest of the day. And I was like, wow, that is amazing. We need that in North America. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's I, I didn't know that. That's <laughs> if they were all that honest yeah no doubt so last time that you and I were talking you were beginning your journey into resurrecting the Mayan occult world and you had begun cataloging and writing down some of your gnosis with that and working on producing a Mayan grimoire did you want to talk about any of that today or share any of that with us well, I'll just share that um, uh, the Grim Wars work in progress right now. It's the system that me and my family use. Um, at least this is, a, it's, a, it's the first of an entire series because there's so much research to be done. Um, it, it couldn't happen in all one grimoire. Um, what I'll, my first priority is to get, to get out something that works, but is authentic. So me and my family system works and it's authentic. And I wanna get that out um, as soon as possible. But, uh, you know, I, I have other commitments right now that like, are just, it's just slowing down the process. But um, yeah, I work with the Mayan gods uh, and there's hundreds of Mayan gods, but I will say that uh, there's a select 20-ish that, uh, <clears throat> me and my family uh, work with on the regular and um, they've manifested a lot of cool great things in our in our lives and uh, I do offer spiritual services so uh, those Mayan gods are typically uh, the ones that are most willing to help um, out of almost any pantheon so if uh, people want to experience through that, uh, we can do that. But um, I am working on uh, just putting out more YouTube content too about them, uh, generate some interest because uh, I think what's interesting is that uh, large portions of North America and uh, Latin America could trace their some sort of lineage to uh, whether it's Mayan ancestry or Mexica ancestry, some kind of indigenous ancestry. And I believe there is a clear and definite 
benefits to interacting with the gods of your heritage. Um, there is a benefit to working with your ancestors. I think there's a possibly even bigger benefit to working with your ancestors' gods. Um, I've found that for myself. I've found that with, with my family. And uh, I am in the gradual process of sharing more of that to the world. Um, but yeah, like uh, I'll say like, like with any pantheon, you'll, you'll find your, your father god, your sky daddy god, you find your uh, encompassing mother goddess. You'll find a goddess of love. You'll find a god of war. Although it's like with the Mayan pantheon, almost every god was a god of war. But there is one in particular who is like the prime god of war. You find your messianic savior figure. Um, I could go down a list. I mean, uh, I'll say like the, I'll just say like the ones that mean the most to me are probably like so like father sky daddy god is Itzamna, who's typically depicted as a kind of like a like odin style old man figure as a wise old man who crafted civilization you have your mother goddess figure of the moon uh ischel who is a, an older lady um with like a, a snake crown and uh, she rules things, not just the moon, but like the apocalypse itself, all kinds of divination and healing. You have your messianic uh, savior figure, which is in the form of Kukulkan, the feathered plume serpents that a lot of people want to say is, was an alien or is Jesus or is Lucifer. And it's, it's not really any of those things. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a solar messianic deity. You'll find in uh, in every pantheon, and um, he's just cool because he's feathered and he's a dragon. <laughs> so that's what makes him cool. And then you have like Baluk Chaptan, who is the brutal god of war, and um, he's uh, depicted in very like horrific scenes. But that's what war is. So you know. And then uh, I guess I would be remiss these days because. Uh, I'm training with him this weekend. So Ekchua, who is the god of cacao, he is another god of war, but he's also a mercantile god. And he is a very, very interesting uh, deity, a very dynamic deity who has many different masks and is actually still openly worshipped in Guatemala, but under a different name, under a like a synchronized um, folk magic style name and image that has been dragged in and out of indigenous hands to catholic hands to just uh kind of secular culture's hands and then kind of landed into this kind of a hodgepodge of um different practices uh kind of similar to how santa muerte was but they're definitely different deities um Ekchua is much more has underworld correspondences, but is by no means by no means a death god, and um, he uh, has like traits similar to like Pan, as well, and traits to Zazel, uh, kind of or like the devil in the woods kind of kind of character, uh, the guy you find at the crossroads, very much a god of the earth. 
um, guy who knows all the roads and uh, god of wealth, so very worldly. So um, he likes to be talked about these days since I've encountered him. Uh, and uh, I'll be working with him. He's given me some Martian Gnosis too. And he, he, I don't believe he directly corresponds to Mars, but every, every, uh, like every Mayan god is a war god, but even in other cultures, right? Like Athena, like Athena, like she's not the Martian god of war. She is a goddess of war, but she's like a goddess of wisdom as well. But you're going to tell me she can't teach you something about how to fight? <laughs> she can. So, uh, but she's not like the prime Martian god of war. That would be Ares. So it's like, it's the same thing. Like, uh, Ectua is a god of war, typically who um, escorted merchants and protected merchants. Whereas like Baluk Chaptan is a god of violence and such. And that would be more akin to like Ares or Semenu. So um, <clears throat> Ectua showed me recently, we've been um, training a specific position for a, a specific range of combat. Um, this particular range of combat is on, on the ground, it's within ground fighting. Uh, if you're a jujitsu fan, you know the position known as side control, but I would just say for the sake of grappling, we can call it the crossbody position because side control is just one of many crossbody positions. Um, essentially, when you have this configuration of two bodies, one on top of the other, but in a crossbody position, you're conjuring a certain frequency and energy force that Ektuat actually frequents. So he can actually teach you about how to um, attack and defend from this certain position. And there's certain color associated with this position too, that at least I have seen it in my third eye. I don't really have any other cultists that happen to be MMA fighters to like really compare my notes with, but um, the color orange is uh, associated with the crossbody position. So we're working on expanding an arsenal of attacks from this position. I just find this very interesting because when you look at chakras and you look at the Sephiroth, you have these colors and spheres that are associated with certain qualities. But if you also look at um, like the planetary symbols associated with the sephiras, they're different. They're different geometric shapes, even though all of them are circles, right? But the planetary symbols, not necessarily perfect circles. If you look at the chakras, they're all circles, right? But they each have yantras, geometric symbols within the chakras. The same thing happens within combat positions between two individuals. You have, say these are two individuals, you have two vertical axes from the feet through the spine to the crown. Now, say they're on the ground. This guy, the orange one, ironically, is in the crossbody position. Now you're conjuring a different sort of energy than if you were, if you had two vertical axes pointing vertically up. Now you have two vertical axes literally flat on the ground. It's a different kind of energy, different kind of frequency. And if you watch any MMA fight, just tune into any UFC fight night, the pace at which two people are fighting from a distance is much faster than one person on top of the other on the ground. It's a slower, grindier, 
uh, kind of fight and it conjures a different kind of energy. Absolutely. I would totally agree with that. So now with all of this Martian experience that you've had, you know, with the Mayan gods, with Samael, the other gods in the Gaburin sphere, what do you use for attack and defense magic-wise? Since you, we focus mostly on physical right now, let, let's talk about the metaphysical. Okay, so my first line of defense is like, okay, um, and first line of defense is visualization, um, because it's like, I don't know how some, some spirit rolls up. I don't know how tough they are. They may not be worth doing a whole like ritual for, right? Um, so this, so this past week, right, I, I actually encountered a very powerful, uh, demonic entity. And not in the demonic, like, daemon, or not even the, the demonic with, like, I'm friends with demons kind of way, because I'm, I'm because I, I don't want to, I have good relationships with several demons. I'll mention some just for, like, context. I have a very good relationship with Lilith. I have a very good relationship with Andros, uh, uh, Azazel. So, like, I'm, like, I'm not opposed to demons. Uh, there's a lot of demons I really get along with. But then there's some demons that I don't. I think that's a common misconception. This is very good for the, the topic of spiritual warfare. Um, not all spirits get along with each other. And I think there's a specific caveat with demons, in my experience, as opposed to angels. And I think this is similar to other gods, but I think it's more so with demons. People think that because demons like rebelled against God or something that they all like have parties where they just like shit on Jehovah or something. And they all just, they all get along with each other, but they don't like Jehovah. The thing is, is that in almost every mythological account of demons, there's some kind of infighting that happens with them, whether it's even fictional, like paradise loss. But if you look at the early Kabbalah, like the very first major piece that depicts demons in a organized malefic structure like the treaties on the left-hand emanation they are literally all fighting each other like with like with very distinct lines of boundaries and what they're fighting for um but that being said yeah they're always fighting each other even uh i think what is it? in, in uh, mathers just depicts the entire Cliffhoth fighting, like fighting with each other. Even in the works of Asenoth Mason, while I don't think she describes all the Cliffhoths fighting each other, like the top Cliffhoth that has uh, two demons ruling over it, they, they fight each other. They're like literally fighting each other. So I don't think, not all demons get along, is what I'm saying. Uh, so like me uh, having a, a scuffle with a demon is not outlandish because there's like literal accounts of this happening throughout history. Whereas with angels, that's not necessarily the case. You don't see that as much. Um, not saying it doesn't happen, it, do it does happen, but it's not gonna happen as much because they are, angels are more aligned to the concept of unity anyway. So they're typically gonna be unified. Demons are on the closer, uh, closely related to the concept of rebellion. 
So what are they going to do? They're typically going to rebel. And that means against each other too. So I got into a scuffle with the dean. Um, I will typically, so like this is how I Martianly handle it. I've done this several times. I will conjure the demon into a heavy bag. Uh, or I don't want to say a demon, I'm sorry. But in this case, yes. But not, not, not all of them are demons. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm out here like bullying spirits or anything. It's just like if I'm ever attacked by something, I will conjure it into a heavy bag and I will tactically beat its ass. Like I will, um, I will, because I know how to fight, there's certain targets that I will choose instead of the other and I'll let the visualization speak to me. I'll let it manifest however it wants to manifest within the confines of the bag. Basically the heavy bag becomes a magic triangle and I let it have some flexibility of how it wants to manifest because however it manifests, it will have strengths, but it will have weaknesses. And I will, as long as it matches the form of a bipedal creature, then it has targets that I can acquire and I can attack. And that's what I do. That's typically my first, and that's when I really want to hurt something too, but I don't want to do a ritual for it. If it's something, uh, and that's something if I can force it to have a form. Say I can't force it to have a form depending upon the pantheon that it's associated with, or the paradigm rather, I will go to one of my altars and I will, I may not need a sigil, but I will conjure it at the altar before Samael typically. And from there we have an arrangement of tools we can use to uh to send it away uh or like to beat its ass to send it away, <laughs> to send it away so I, if uh i have uh some enchanted daggers um and if that's not enough i will con i will use the sword of solomon and if that's not enough i have a grappling dummy that i could basically do the whole heavy bag treatment on but I will instill the spirit in the grappling dummy with, and that's also surrounded by a magic circle. And I will proceed to break its neck. And that's if I'm truly met with a malevolent force that like it will not leave me alone. Um, otherwise, like, like very basics, very basic ritual procedure, right? Outside of like energy, um, I'm telling you, man, it, it sounds basic. It sounds uh, Silver Raven Wolf, but um, Sage, because Sage, it has been used by the ancients, most notably North American, Native Americans. But uh, you find Sage even in Mesoamerica, in uh, Southern Mexico and Guatemala. And I've been using that recently too and it's amazing. Sage is like really takes care of most of your problems. I think, I think Sage will take care of like 90% of all spiritual encounters. You got to really be dealing with some nasty stuff like archons or like the worst of Kapothic forces that mean you harm. So like really that for like Sage to not have an effect.
And then that's, you'll probably have to do one of the other ritual procedures that I, that I mentioned. Um, I don't do like any banishing hexagram or any of that kind of stuff. Reason being is because um, boring. <laughs> um, it, it's just like, it's very, uh, you know, it's, it's like, is it old school? I guess it's old school. Typically old school stuff. Like when you say old school, it means kind of, it's got this vintage cool kind of thing about it. Um, but it's also like, uh, it's kind of like a chemo, you know, it's kind of like chemotherapy. Uh, like it just like really cleans out a lot of stuff. You know what it is? I'm sorry. It's like taking antibiotics, right? You take antibiotics and it kills all your gut bacteria, including the good bacteria. It's kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't like to, to, to use it. Because so like I've taken a lot of antibiotics and stuff because like when you're on the mats and you're, you're punching people and you're wrestling with people, you, you could get a staph infection. I've, I've had staph infections before. And um, if I ever have antibiotics, I, I drink kombucha like later in the day because I want to get my gut bacteria back. Otherwise, you'll feel it on the toilet <laughs> when you don't have any good gut bacteria. So um, that's why I typically don't do something like uh, hexagram or pentagram vanishing stuff. I think a lot of the stuff I do with Samael um, typically does like conjure, I, like yeah, I, I make some kind of pentagram thing because the pentagram five pointed stars associated with Mars. Um, I was helping, uh, here's another one, it's a simple approach was, uh, I, I, now I can't say everybody could do this, but I think if you have uh, well, one second. Oh, there we got you back. Sorry, yeah. Um, uh, here's a simple approach, but I can't, I can't swear that everybody could do it. Um, I think if you develop a good relationship with Samio, you could do it. And that is um, if you go to, like say you feel presence in, in the place in whatever room you're in, you go to the four corners and you do this. You basically like make a blade with your hands in like a V position. And then you go and you say Elohim Gibor. And then you like refold your hands outward and, and out like that. And you do that in every corner of the room facing inward towards the room. And I had someone do this because they, they were seeing, they were that spirit medium, but they were very, inept in terms of actual ritual magic. And they were they uh, had an imp experience, like a sleep paralysis imp experience. And I just told them to do this, uh, this uh, Elohim Gibor with knife hands uh, through four corners of the room and then do it again in the center. So it's five times, five is the number of Mars and you hit five points. And it's basically conjuring Gevura energy into the room in a combative fashion, metaphysically, to, uh, to deal with the imp, and then the imp was gone. So I, the reason why I said, I don't know if everyone could do it is because like, yeah, I think about it. If you've never done magic before, and then you just do that, like, it's like I'm teaching you how to throw a jab for the first time. It's like, 
okay, you th- you did it, but like, how powerful is it really going to be? You know, it's like you got to practice. You, you got to like have a good relationship with with Mars and stuff. Uh, just like you have to have a good relationship with your jab. You got to hit it, hit the bag and hit some pads once in a while. So um, that that's what I would do. That that's a very simple um, Martian spiritual warfare uh, tactic that works. Um, I just think you probably should do some kind of Martian ritual on a Tuesday when the moon is wa- uh, waxing um, to charge up your own Martian energy. Yeah, absolutely. That totally makes sense. And, you know, just like that job, uh, the more and more you practice it, the stronger it's going to get. So a lot of people fail to realize that even the most simple techniques get stronger and stronger and stronger over time. So even though you're not getting results right off the bat with something, that doesn't mean that repetition isn't going to make it stronger. Yeah. And I'll say that about like the vast majority of like rituals that I do the vast majority of rituals that I do and the vast majority of rituals I've seen that are successful are simple stuff. Um, it, uh, like I was telling you guys at the beginning of this, my ritual approach is gen- generally simple and it requires like an altar, requires a geometric backdrop that is appropriate to the Pantheon and it requires two pillars. And there's a reason for that. And from there, you can basically do generic summonings uh, for what for whatever entity as long as it's applicable and summon its energy and request its help with a certain thing and um, typically results are shown only on very like weird occasions or climactic occasions what I say are massive rituals with a capital N needed you know um, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing big rituals. If you like to do big rituals, do big rituals. I like to do a, a, just one for kicks every now and then. It's just, you know, um, for the person who thinks they're too busy for, for occultism, uh, you don't have to go, you know, it doesn't have to be like a massive like laser light show at Tomorrowland for it to be a successful ritual. Absolutely. I would totally agree with that. <laughs> You've been kind of quiet there, Sandra. You have any questions for Solomon? It seems like you're just kind of soaking it up. <laughs> I'm totally soaking it up. I never actually thought about putting it all physically together. And like you actually, you just live this throughout your life. It's not separate. It's just you, which is completely fascinating to me. It's it's been a great listen, a good story time for me. <laughs> well, uh, it's interesting that you say that too, because um, I think I've heard other occultists like kind of uh, kind of say that, and I I want to add something to that about like living it, because there's t- there's tons of occultists that live it, and I think a big thing that has helped me with the living portion of it is. Uh, the process of initiation and what i mean by that initiation is kind of a dirty word in modern occultism because uh what does it mean to be initiated and it's like initiated into what and i think initiation just into a mystery uh some kind of mis- some kind of spirituality is it and it's like do you need a sacred order or some kind of secret order to do it no you don't but what initiation means to me is that 
you do something spiritually to where it, 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 it sets off an event that now the, the walls of the matrix start to, um, start to break down. So the veil between you and the spirit is so much thinner that you can't help but live it. And um, to be honest, there are consequences to doing that. <laughs> there are consequences to doing that. But um, it does make these kinds of things much more accessible because it becomes the story in which you're living. Absolutely. And you, you've totally portrayed that today in all that you've told us. It's, I've thoroughly enjoyed this walk through your life. It's been, it's incredible. Thank you for sharing so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. And it will be a great teaching, I think, um, once this broadcast to go, wow, I think there will be a lot of aha moments that people will have once they listen to you. Yeah, I think especially with uh, uh, things more on the Martian side, too, it's like uh, it, it's much more niche and it's much more specific. But I think it's, it's a part of the spiritual experience that's not very well explored. Because like when we think I, spirituality is oftentimes segregated from physical things period especially physical even physical activity yeah absolutely. so the bridging between the two um i think will pay dividends for most people but i think it's also really just the way it's supposed to be if you look at any any kind of um uh map of any universe across any kind of uh spiritual paradigm we'll use kabbalah it's the easiest you have physical activity and movement and conflict and um, discipline, all these things I'm talking about literally embedded in that map of the universe. And that's Givora in this case. Or like, even if you just went on a planetary scale, like, uh, like your ancient Greeks and Romans, it's like you have Mars. So, you know, it's like literally a part of the spiritual, it, it should be a part of the spiritual experience because it's literally in the outline of the spiritual experience. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And, you know, like we were saying earlier, you, you literally see that in every single culture, that there is some form of Martian influence and pretty well every type of priesthood partakes in some form of dietary restriction, some form of physical activity, some form of mind clarity techniques, some form of physical movement, whether that just be gestures or mudras or whatever. So uh, it, you can really just, you can make it simple to begin with and just move out from there yeah yeah and in the future i'd like to i'd like to offer something and more knowledge about like uh you know you said you said the simple and then i would like to offer something a bit on the more advanced like uh martian spiritual practices but um uh you know just in due time in due time <laughs> absolutely so you said that you're back offering spiritual services and rituals again and you're back on youtube where can our listeners and watchers find you yes so i have a youtube solomon ad 
Uh, I will be posting more. Work's been busy. Russia's been keeping me busy. So, uh, uh, but I'm, uh, I got some free time now, freed up some schedule time. Uh, I want to be making a lot of, I have a whole list of YouTube videos I got to make, um, just with a lot of great um, spiritual experience from someone who's approachable, but like who, who's had the experience. I think uh, what's great about some spiritual uh, channels on YouTube is that you have people that have actually done the work. You know, it's like you're not reading older books by uh, just cele celebrated personalities that we don't know too much about the practice. And sometimes like we have evidence that they weren't really good practitioners. Like, like Elphus Levi apparently didn't practice much magic as far as the record goes. Um, he just wrote about it. That's what the record shows. But, uh, you know, it's like, me and there, there's there's a few good guys out there that uh, provide like actual experience and stuff and unique takes. So I have that going. Um, I, I do have a Patreon. Uh, I'm making some changes on Patreon. By the time this video comes out, those changes will be made. Um, basic supporter tier, but also uh, if you want to be a part of like actual monthly rituals. Uh, I will be offering a ritual with uh, Ekchua, the Mayan god of riches. Uh, I'll be keeping it at a, a good affordable price for anybody that wants to do that and get uh, some Mayan money blessings. And I'll uh, be offering uh, a ritual with Samael as well um, on Patreon. I do have a spiritual services page up on YouTube. I'm sorry, not YouTube, Facebook. Uh, Solomon AD Spiritual Services. If you require custom work, that is how you can reach me. Send a message to the business page. Uh, we will have to do a consultation first. I always do consultations to see if I am the appropriate fit for the job. I'll do some divination there. And then from there, we can discuss about doing uh, custom ritual work and uh, going forward. Awesome. Well, this has been a awesome and enlightening chat. And I absolutely love your take on the physical being mandatory for great spirituality. So thank you for coming on today. We really enjoyed that. And yeah, that was fantastic. Well, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. You bet, for sure. We'll have to talk to you in the future and see if you want to come back on again. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, this is definitely a, we need more of, for sure. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to study a little, so I have more questions for you. Now that I've had the aha moments from it. <laughs> oh, great. Well, I would be delighted to come back. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for watching today or listening, and we will see you in the next one. <laughs>